Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it has been unseasonably warm this past week, right? I mean, it has been a beautiful week of weather. Uh, The sun was shining, the birds were chirping, the snow was melted. And I hope and pray that this week, because it was so beautiful, that you were able to get outside, stretch your legs, uh, see that big shining orb in the sky that we call the sun. We usually don't see that this time of year. Uh, And just soak up some fresh air. I hope that's what you got to do this week. You know how I celebrated this week of awesome weather? I had my wisdom teeth taken out. (laughs) I looked at the calendar. I said, this is going to be a great week to be outside and to enjoy a wonderful week. Why not get your wisdom teeth removed? So anyway, at least your week was probably better than mine. Uh, And I can think of a handful of things that are more enjoyable than oral surgery. But thankfully, the pain wasn't too bad. You know what the hardest part was? Not being able to talk. Do you know how hard it is for a preacher and an extrovert like me to not talk for a whole week? Uh, That was a challenge. And I found that because I wasn't able to talk very much this week, you know what I had to do? I had to listen. I had to spend more of my time listening, less of my time talking, speaking. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever had a week or a couple of days where you were not able to talk and you were forced to listen? Many people have had their wisdom teeth taken out. Maybe it was that or maybe you had some other type of oral surgery. Maybe you had a cold, a really bad cold, and it took away your voice and you found that for a couple of days you were not able to speak and you just had to simply hear what everyone else had to say. Maybe you were in a foreign country. You didn't know the language. You weren't able to communicate, engage with other people in conversation, so you simply had to sit there and listen. And I'm sure that, like me, you probably found it really frustrating, right? Our inclination is not to listen. Our inclination is not to sit back and just experience life, just soak it in and and, and uh, hear it. But our inclination is to speak comment, react, say something, do something. And this isn't just you and me, right? This is a a pervasive issue for our culture, for our society. We all are prone to speak and slow to listen. Uh, And I've got an example for you I want to share. This is from a a, a major news source. They did an April Fool's joke uh, a couple years ago. Uh, They did an April Fool's joke. They ran an article online, and the headline said this, Why doesn't America read anymore? Headline said, Why doesn't America read anymore? And the content of the article said this, We sometimes get the sense that some people are commenting on stories that they haven't actually read. If you are reading this, please like this post and do not comment on it. Then let's see what people have to say about this story. So the headline says, why uh, do Americans not read anymore? The content of the article said, if you're reading this, don't comment. What do you think happened? Everybody commented. Nobody was reading it. The first comment, really? I read every day. After donating 100 plus books and boxing up books, the bookshelf is still overflowing. 
People don't read anymore because they don't want to exercise their brains. But I read constantly. (laughs) I read all the time. Uh, Somebody else. I read between 5 and 20 books a month. Somebody else. I read 2 to 3 books per week. Comment after comment after comment, talking about how much they read, proving what? That they don't read. That they don't actually listen. They don't actually stop to hear, but instead they just speak, they comment, they, they, they react without actually listening. This problem is not just you and me, it's all of us. We're slow to listen, fast to speak. And we hear about this dynamic of speaking and listening uh, in our gospel reading today. This is Transfiguration Sunday. Our text that we're looking at is Matthew chapter 17. Uh, Feel free to have that open in front of you because we're going to spend a lot of our time in Matthew 17. Uh, We heard this just a few moments ago. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. So Jesus often uh, went away on his own. Uh, Jesus, in his public ministry, it was very public. As Jesus was, was going about his public ministry, he was constantly surrounded by people, constantly speaking, uh, preaching and teaching and talking. And because of that, Jesus would often take Sabbath rest. Uh, he would retreat away for times of prayer, times of silence, times to just meditate on God's word, uh, times to just be in the presence of God the Father. But this time, Jesus brings someone else along with him. Uh, He brings the disciples with him, a few of the disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John. And while they're up there, while they're up on this mountain with Jesus, something incredible happens. This is verse 2. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So here he is. Uh, Jesus, he he looks like the typical Jesus that they knew well, the Jesus that they followed for a number of years, the Jesus that sit at his feet and listen to him teach on God's word. He, He looked like that as they were going up the mountain, but they get there and something incredible happens. Something unexpected happens. He's transfigured. His figure, his appearance changes. He begins to shine radiantly shining like the sun, uh, is a glorious, incredible moment of splendor, something that they've never seen before. But as if that's not enough, as if that's not incredible enough that Jesus is transfigured, we hear something else happens. Uh, This is verse 3. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So here he is, radiantly shining, transfigured, and then Moses and Elijah are next to him. Uh, Two of the most influential, uh, significant figures in the Old Testament. Moses, uh, Moses is who God uses to bring his people out of captivity, out of Egypt, through the waters of the Red Sea, uh, taking them from being just a people to being God's people. Elijah. We remember Elijah, uh, God using him to speak out against evil kings, to speak out against false prophets, to speak out against uh, people worshiping Baal, uh, false gods and idol. 
Here they are, Moses and Elijah next to Jesus. But notice, they are not transfigured. They're not shining. They're not transformed in any way. They just look like Moses and Elijah. The point is this. It's not equal glory amongst the three of them. But the spotlight's on Jesus. The radiance is on Jesus. Uh, Their presence next to him is adding to his glory. It's not equal glory. It's greater glory on Jesus because these two figures are essentially pointing to him saying, he's the man. He's the one. So here we are. Try to imagine it, this incredible moment. Disciples there, Jesus transfigured, Moses and Elijah. And what happens next? What does Peter do in this moment? He says something. He says something. Verse four. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Without even thinking, without even stopping for a moment, without even reflecting on what God is doing here, Peter says something. He just blurts out the first thing that comes to his mind. Jesus, I'm going to make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. That sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. He thinks that this is what he's supposed to do. That, that witnessing the glory of Jesus, witnessing Moses and Elijah confirming the glory of Jesus, that he is, is supposed to say something, do something, respond immediately in some way. Now, what would you have done? What would you have done? Uh, just imagine that you're up there, that Jesus said, hey, come on, come along with me. And you go up there with Peter, James, and John, and and there you see Jesus transfigured. There you see Moses and Elijah. What would your reaction be? I'm not going to answer for you, but I'm sure I'd probably do what Peter did. I'm an extrovert. I like to talk. I'd probably say something. I'd probably feel the compulsion that I've got to react. I've got to do something. I've got to respond in some way. And I'd probably blurt out the first thing. would probably be no better than this tent idea that Peter has. So here we are. Peter blurts out the first thing that, that comes to his mind, and we find out it's a big mistake. He's wrong. This is not what God wants him to do. Uh, verse 5. He was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. God interrupts Peter. Can you imagine that? God interrupting you. You're talking, you're, you're running your mouth and God says, stop. Stop what you're doing. And listen, use your ears, not your mouth, right? But that's exactly what God does. As Peter's talking, God says, stop. Listen to what I have to say. He interrupts him. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And these are not just words for Peter, but these are words for you And for me here today, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. 
I want you all to say that with me. Listen to him. Listen to him. God is telling us that. Not just Peter, but you and me. God is inviting us to use our ears first and foremost. You see, as followers of Jesus, as people of God, uh, God wants our ears first. Uh, Your ears are the primary organ of faith. Your ears are the primary Christian organ. Before God can use your, your heart or your mind, before God can use your hands or your feet, you know what God needs? Your ears. Your ears. First and foremost, we're called to hear and listen to what God has to say. Uh, after that, we're called to proclaim his word, to speak on his behalf. Uh, after that, we're called to engage our hands and our feet, our minds, our bodies in service to our neighbor. God uses those things, but before any of that, God wants our ears. Uh, and this isn't just in the transfiguration, but this is all throughout Scripture. We hear the importance of, of listening. Uh, the Old Testament, one of the most foundational confessions of the Christian faith, uh, comes from what's called the Shema. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel. In the New Testament, another foundational confession of our faith from Romans chapter 10. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. As the people of Jesus, we are called not to speak, not to do, But before any of that, we're called to listen. Listen to how God is speaking to us. Now, how does God speak to us? God speaks to you through his word, through scripture. Uh, When you read God's word, when you engage in in scripture, you're not uh, just listening to ancient words from the past. But this is God speaking here and now, in the present, in your life, in scripture. And when you read scripture, when you hear God's word, you're not just listening to earthly words, uh, words written by, by some human author, but you're listening to God's word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, words that are powerful, words that are, are, are life-changing, world-changing words for today. That's how God speaks to you and me in scripture. So let me ask you, how's that going How's that going? Uh, How well are you listening to Jesus? This week, how well did you hear the voice of the Good Shepherd in your life? On Monday, how how, how well were you listening to what God had to say to you in Scripture? Uh, How well do we turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off the distractions, turn off all the conversations, How well do we turn off the the worry in our hearts and our minds and we actually just be silent and listen to what God has to say to us in his word? I'll answer for you. Not very well, right? Not very well. Because we can never over-listen to God's word. No matter what, we can never spend too much listening to the voice of the good shepherd speaking to us. We can never spend too much time hearing what God has to say for our lives here and now. But he keeps on calling us back, calling us back with those simple words that he spoke to Peter. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to me. No matter how wayward we are, no matter how bad we are at listening, he keeps calling us back saying, listen 
to him. And what will we hear if we actually listen to Jesus? What will we hear him say? We'll probably hear exactly what Peter heard. Verse 6 through 7. This is what we'll hear. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. Rise and have no fear. I want you to hear those words today, right now, as if Jesus is speaking them into your ears. Rise and have no fear. Because in Christ Jesus, there is no fear. He has come into this broken world for you. He's come into the brokenness of your life. He's taken your sin, taken your death. He's nailed it to the cross. He's put it in the tomb. And in faith in Christ Jesus, all his riches are yours. All his gifts are yours. And because of that, there is no fear. I don't know what fears you dragged in here today. I don't know what fears are are weighing you down. But in Christ Jesus, those fears are no more. And in Christ Jesus, we get to hear these words, rise and have no fear. These are words of hope, words of peace, words of power. These words of Jesus that we get to listen to are words of life. This is most certainly true.